Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And I'm Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor and also the Head of Marketing and Events at Oxford Head Injury Services, the brain injury charity formerly known as Headway Oxfordshire. Now, our show introduces you to trusted experts, whilst we also discuss topical issues that are impacting on local businesses. And often the themes come from you, the listeners, telling us what you'd like to hear, and also from the conversations that Ben and myself have in our networks. On today's show, we look forward to welcoming our guests to Mark Withers of Mighty Waters, Mike Thorne of Thorne Coaching, and Alison Grace of Sopra Styria. So, Ben, I hear that you received a call from a listener who wanted to talk about teams. Tell us a little bit more. As always, um, it's a huge topic, isn't it? That affects most businesses. And most businesses who have staff uh, really, really need to get their teams working, collaborating and working in the right way. Whether it's a huge, big team of of the big blue chip companies or whether it's you um, in your small independent business. Um, So we wanted to invite three experts. um, And that's exactly what we'll be doing with our three experts over the next hour. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming our three guests after this. Get Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, Today, I'm really, really delighted to be joined by three experts um, who are going to be sharing lots of knowledge, experience and expertise with you, the listener, all around the topic of teams. So let's start by introducing um, our three guests. Um, Let's start with you, Mark. Welcome. Um, Please introduce yourself um, and indeed your business. Oh, well, thanks, Ben. So I'm Mark Withers. I founded Mighty Waters, a management consultancy with my wife, Anna, 25 years ago. And we've been privileged to have worked with some great clients of all sizes across many sectors over this quarter century. So my area of expertise uh, is in the field of HR and organizational development. As a consultancy, we help clients unlock the potential of their people. And of course, this means a lot of our work is focused on how people work well together. So whether it's a board, a leadership team, a functional team, we help them to understand what they're good at, we explore areas of improvement, and we take them on a journey that helps them get better at what they do. That's us. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, Similarly, um, Mike, please introduce yourself and indeed your business. Hi, uh, I'm Mike Thorne. I run a business called Thorne Coaching, and uh, I work with leaders and directors from um, all sorts of businesses. But um, the key thing I'm working with them on is the self-confidence and skills that they need to operate and and function really effectively and to maximise their impact, both as individuals and also in a team context. So working with teams is incredibly important. Um, I'm a chartered engineer by training, still a chartered engineer and an exec and team coach. And so I, I love working with people, particularly who've come from a technical background, for whom the 
the different kind of behaviors and skills that are needed at a senior level are maybe not quite as naturally uh, acquired as they would be for many others. So I love working with people like that um, who are from a similar background to me. And it's great to see the difference that understanding how teams work and, and putting things into practice can make to the effectiveness of teams um, and, and the trust that they can have in pulling together. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and last but certainly not least, Alison, please introduce yourself and indeed your business. Hello, everyone. Alison Grace. Um, I'm people director at Sopresteria, which is an international organisation uh, specialising in consulting and digital services. So we're in 30 countries across the world, um, almost 50,000 employees, um, although I work principally in the UK, uh, where our clients are both in the public and the private sectors, uh, government departments, the NHS, police, banking, defence. Uh, we work across the, the full spectrum. And I've been in corporate life um, for, gosh, a long time, over 30 years. Uh, most of that time in HR, uh, working across the full spectrum of the HR equation, if you like. Uh, but latterly, I have um, specialised more at what I would call the engagement and organisation development side of things, um, with a particular interest in making the employee experience a really compelling, motivating, engaging one. And obviously teams and leaders have a very, very big part to play in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, thank you um, to the three of you for your introductions there. I'm really, really looking forward to um, the roundtable um, discussion over the next hour. Um, but before that, um, I know that all three of you have chosen a song this morning. So I'm going to start with you, Alison. Short straw, unfortunately. Um, what is your song choice and why have you picked it? Oh, I really struggled over which song um, to pick, but it, it came to me just as I was going to bed yesterday evening. So I've picked Pride in the Name of Love um, by U2, uh, partly because it takes me back to my university days at Aston University. Um, I was a big U2 fan and um, it was kind of our anthem at the time. And of course, uh, we are celebrating Pride at the moment. Um, so it seems very topical from that perspective. And it's also about a great leader, Martin Luther King, and the change he brought around. So um, that's why I went for that song. Discussing topics that impact local businesses and their owners, this is The Business Brunch. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. You're listening to The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Before that song um, chosen by Alison, and actually a great song, um, one of the U2 classics, um, we were talking about our guest experience and, and knowledge and expertise, which is hopefully what we're going to share with you now as listeners when we talk around our topic of teams. Um, so, Mark, I guess the best place to start with the question is to position this roundtable is teams. Tell us more about what is a good team or an effective team. Yeah, it's a, it's a good starting point, Mike. Um, I, I guess that um, you could let me offer you up two fruits, a banana or a pineapple. And very often people um, report to somebody um, like a bunch of bananas are held at the top there and we have all our individual fruits um, and they call themselves teams and they just happen to report through to somebody. Whereas if you cut a pineapple in half, you have a lot of interconnections. And to me, it's that interconnectedness that really makes a team. So when I work with 
teams. Uh, the first question we explore really is what your shared purpose is. What are you here to do together? And if you can't really answer that, you're probably not a team. Uh, because if you've not got any interconnections, it's really difficult to actually draw on the strengths that you've got around the table. So once we're clear about that, um, there are four other areas that we tend to look at. The one is around team processes. So how do we organize ourselves in order to deliver our shared purpose? The next one is around team behaviors. So how do we work really well, really healthily in order to achieve our ch shared purpose? Then there's team leadership. How does a leader create the right environment for that team to perform? And then finally, how does a team connect with the outside world so that others can see both what the team is doing and have a line of sight to that, but also that the team is not working in a vacuum, but that they're actually drawing in knowledge, expertise, issues uh, into the work that they're doing. So that, to me, is, is really what... Um, I'm looking at when I'm thinking of team. Amazing. No, a really, really great way to start start the round table. So thank you for that, Mark. Um, Mike, it, it seems only right that, that um, we come to you with one one section of that to, 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 to build it down a little bit. And let's start with leadership. So as a leader of a team, um, what things should you be considering in order to encourage that, I guess, pineapple analogy that, that Mark so, so, so rightly started with? Yeah. I, I that's a great question. I, I just, you know, reinforcing what what um, Mark was saying, I've got a great quote here, um, which says groups do not become teams simply because that is what someone calls them. Uh, a couple of guys called Katzenberg and Smith from a really great book called The Wisdom of Teams. So what is it about leadership? I think the thing about a team is that it is it is a group of people that have come together for a common purpose to, to pick up on Mark's point, but they're still individuals. And I think one of the key things that a leader needs to do is to build a sense of openness and trust within the team so that um, they are working and pulling together in the same direction. Um, many people come into teams and I think the, you know, many of your listeners will, will know this from their own personal experience. They'll have been in teams where everybody's got their own agenda, they're only looking out for themselves, and actually they're not operating fully and effectively as a team. So the key role of a leader is to bring some cohesion, and it starts with a sense of openness and trust, and that can only really be modelled from the top. Fantastic. And Alison, I guess, you know, you could share with us some experiences that you've either witnessed working in a £50,000 employee 50,000 employee business or what you've seen in your training in terms of good leadership, bad leadership around um, the, the messages that Mark and Mike have touched upon? Well, obviously good leadership is, is doing everything that, that Mike and Mark have alluded to. Um, but, you know, it's leadership is um, it's not a science. Um, there's something of a, an art to it. So, Gosh, you know, I've seen lots of examples of both good leadership and, and poor leadership and good leadership results from, I think, um, having clarity and commitment and caring for your team, um, both professionally and personally. Um, and I've seen lots of that in recent years as we've gone through the pandemic and in, in the post-pandemic era that leaders and, and businesses operate in. If I think back to uh, the earlier years in my career, uh, you know, kind of back in the, the 90s, 
Um, I think leadership was slightly different then, and I probably saw um, poorer leadership um, in the earlier phase of my career when I think organisations were much more focused on, on, on the hard numbers, which, of course, any business does need to be focused on the hard numbers. That's, you know, kind of what we're here to, to do in one way or another um, and to provide services to our clients or, or our customers. But um, it's, it's that pure focus on business with little regard for the individuals and the teams who, at the end of the day, you're relying on um, to come to work and do what they do and, and do it well. Um, and, you know, I think selfish leadership, um, being unreasonable, not being clear, um, not people not having the boundaries to perform to the best of their ability, um, you know, that just a few examples of some of the things I perhaps saw um, as a, a fresh-faced graduate trainee in, in the junior years of my career, which um, thankfully I see a lot less of. And um, working for an organisation that's a, a certified great place to work, I'm very pleased um, and proud that um, you know one of the things that's enabled that at Sopristeria is uh, is is the caring side and the committed side of our, our people managers and leaders. Absolutely. No, re- really, really great point you make there. And Mark, I think I think we would all agree that I think any any good good organisation really cares about their people. And actually, I think any good organisation, as Alison so rightly put, will will want to adapt and will want to grow and and learn and and find better ways of looking after their people. What would be your advice um, for 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 a leader potentially listening, whether it be a small business or a large business, to really identify the areas they need to learn? Because I think that the phrase we don't know what we don't know is, is quite is quite justified here isn't it so so what would be what would be your advice there yeah it's um it, it's a challenging one i think for many because as leaders you're often put on a pedestal and expected to know all the answers mm. so i think that you start from a position of humility actually and a preparedness to listen and not just listen but listen to be changed so that sense of engaging with your team, actually taking time to speak to them, actually getting to understand a little bit about what's going on in their lives. Mm. I think these are things which um, require an investment in time, uh, but they're also about, um, if I use the word posture, really, it's about how you come into that conversation. Mm. And it's not about brashness and it's not about um, I am the leader here. It, it is from a position where you're, you're genuinely trying to, to to meet and to understand what's going on in the lives and in, in the work and the world of your team. And I think that's where the learning starts, really. Um, it, it's, it's that openness to understand that people in your team will see things differently to you and that if we put all of those perspectives <coughs> will actually build a much richer picture of what's really going on. That's really, really, really useful. I love that posture. I love that. Mm. And uh, Mike, I think, you know, one thing I want to pick up on your um, introduction is that you like working with people that it's not natural to. And I'm not, you know, t- tell me a little bit more. You know, what, why is it not natural to people to to either be leaders or work in effective teams or be a team player, et cetera? Tell us a little bit more about your experiences there. Yeah, I mean, th- there'll always be some people you come across who, for whom leadership has been 
one of their aspirations. But I think by and large, for most people, as they progress through an organization and upwards, um, they were trained generally in something, in doing. Um, they have a skill or a set of skills for which they've got a qualification or which they've acquired further qualifications or experience as they've gone through their career. And therefore, there's something around particularly the type of people I like working with where it's project plans or data and process and spreadsheet stuff that's tangible that people can you know lean into and, and feel more comfortable with as you're progressing up through you start to deal with people more who are much more difficult to pigeonhole um you're dealing with other stakeholders you're dealing with people who are wired very differently from you and also your your responsibilities will be perhaps more long-term, more strategic, uh, rather than with the here and now operational. And I think for many people from a technical discipline or background, there's a great sense of discomfort with moving away from those familiar uh, aspects of their roles and their careers to date into something for which they may not be naturally wired as as well as people who are perhaps from a creative background or who are and i'm not trying to kind of pigeonhole technical types but if you look at the normal distribution curve of um of kind of personalities um you'll often find people and i speak as an engineer myself who are less comfortable working in with an ambiguous in an ambiguous ambiguous or uncertain or volatile or complex environment and therefore, it's giving people the confidence that they can do it and helping them acquire the skills that they need to be able to do that well. And it's giving them they can do it. I think often they lack the confidence to be able to do that. So imposter syndrome is an enormous kind of um, part of the conversations that I have with many people, giving them the confidence that they, they're chosen to do the job. Someone believes in them, um, but not necessarily themselves. Absolutely. It's certainly something that is very, very common. Um, Alison, um, in, in your introduction, you, you spoke a little bit about the business you represent and, and being across a number of different countries and, and indeed cultures. What what can we do as organisations and as leaders to be accessible to different cultures and ensuring that when teams have different backgrounds and, 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 and different individuals and able to ensure that we stay within the business values and the the end customer as such is is getting that good service or that good output but actually we're being inclusive and accepting and, and giving really each part of the team the opportunity to perform in, in the way that is has a positive impact for all including them i think i i would return to mark's point about listening um and listening to understand um, because when you take that stance as a leader, you are genuinely listening to what other people have to say, listening to their perspective, listening to their experience, um, listening to their ideas, listening to their insight of the business they work in and the clients um, and the other teams and stakeholders they, they work with. So I, I think listening is a very important part of of that um and you know if, if if you work in an organization you mentioned values earlier if you work in an organization that is values driven um typically then you are in an organization with a considered purpose um and you generally 
organisations, in my experience, who are values-driven, you are focused on respect and empathy. Um, so having those values at, at the forefront of the way you operate, the way you do business, the way you make decisions, the way you engage with your people, the way you engage with the outside world, I think kind of helps keep you on the straight and narrow as far as being inclusive and engaging and a positive place to be. Now, you know, you don't always get it right, either as an organisation or as a leader. So I think something that is really important um, as a leader is to also be able to admit when you got it wrong and to say sorry if you need to say sorry and to listen to how you can put it right. So um, I think it's also about taking accountability um, and, you know, admitting if you've got it wrong and then working really hard to, to put it right. All of those things create um, an inclusive and a positive environment. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving the content so far. Um, we are now going to go to another song. So um, the song we're going to go to this time, Mark. Is uh, the question for yourself, Mark? What's your uh, question, your song, um, and why do you choose it? <laughs> when Alison sent me uh, her her song choice, I thought I was going to choose that one, but but actually I'd already chosen a different one, um, and we've got to keep it in the family. So I've chosen a, a song by Uncle Bill, Uncle Bill Withers. There's not many Witherses around, so um, we're going to go for him. But the song is "Lean on Me," and the older I get, the more. I've come to appreciate that to get through life, we need to have people around us, our family, our friends, our colleagues, that we can lean on when we're going through really tough times or we're just just trying to get through, you know, the day. So that's why I've chosen that song. I'll switch your station, get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Uh, Before that song chosen by Mark, a great song choice and even better explanation in terms of why it was his song that he chose. Um, we were talking to our three guests today, Mark, Mike and Alison, about teams and particularly uh, started around leadership. Now, Mark, I'm going to come back to you now with a, a question around our theme of teams today. We know that the pandemic accelerated change for a lot of businesses. So from a team's perspective, what was your findings in terms of, was that a positive change, a negative change or a balance? What, what, what did you experience? Gosh, I think it's a really mixed mixed bag here. Um, I think it's incredibly impressive how organisations uh, were able to move into this sort of environment so quickly. Um, you know, sort of working on Zoom or Teams was pretty much mar- at the margins of organisational life uh, until the pandemic struck. And all of a sudden, um, we all had to learn how to do this. Uh, so... In, in that sense, the, the being able to harness technology to keep people connected, to uh, to get under the skin of the challenges that people were um, going through. I mean, we all saw uh, our pets, uh, our children, uh, our, our living rooms, our, our works, you know, our home spaces. All of a sudden, the boundaries between work and our social life were were completely removed. So, so there are many positives there um, in terms of fun and creativity that was unleashed. I think, though, there's some real challenges, particularly as we get back into a hybrid uh, environment where you're trying to build community, team, 
a sense of togetherness when you've not necessarily got people in the same place. Uh, and I think this is a real challenge for uh, team leaders. Um, and, and it's also a challenge for team members to realize they've got some responsibilities here to uh, engage with colleagues and be be part of a team. So I, I, I think that it will be interesting to see whether the center of gravity kind of moves back to face-to-face -face or whether we really are going to just have to get much better at working in this hybrid world um, where some people might be in the office and some people might be working from home. So that's um, that's an initial sort of flavor on that. I'm sure Mike and Alison will have some perspectives on it too. Absolutely. Um, I I'm going to be a really lazy presenter here, actually, um, and I'm going to bleed straight on that. Uh, Mike, Alison, what are your perspectives on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a mixed bag, and I think some teams found it easier than other teams to adapt to working remotely. Um, I think, you know, if I think about the, the pandemic and, and the team I was leading at the time, I think the, the sort of adrenaline around the situation um, and, you know, being in something so unique did actually kind of catalyse a sense of togetherness and focus, um, particularly in an HR team where our job was to do whatever we could to help our people feel okay about working in, in the way that we had to dramatically and, and overnight almost move to work. Um, ironically, though, and I'm talking very much from my personal experience, the, the team I was leading at the time, um, it actually brought us together. And um, spending that much time, I guess, in each other's homes um, and, and figuring solutions to uh, problems that we'd never come across before in our working lives, um, actually, miraculously, magically, created um, a, a very together team um, and you know we, we socialized together over for lo over lockdown and, and that's continued as we've returned to um, a hybrid world so I've almost seen some teams that excelled in working remotely almost struggling to kind of get back into face-to-face -face interaction and I think the hardest thing that um, I'm certainly seeing with my own team and, and in the organisation I work with is when some people are in the room and some people aren't, because the dynamic is very different when you're face to face with someone. And, um, you know, I, I think we've all learned as leaders that there are some conversations that are far more productive face to face. Um, but actually encouraging people out of their homes and it is easier in very many respects working from home. Um, you know, some people have shown a little bit of reluctance to come back into the office. So uh, we're, we're on a journey uh, to use that uh, cliche um, and we'll see where it takes us. Certainly the organisation I work for, um, we are very much sticking with the hybrid principle um, and, and working with people to find a working pattern that suits them as well as, of course, the team that they're part of and, uh, and, and the clients that they're, they're serving. So it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, if I can kind of offer some thoughts as well, Ben. Um, 
I, I agree. I, I think it's it, it certainly accelerated the adoption of technology when it came to this kind of um, video, video. We used to call it video conferencing, didn't we? I mean, how arcane is that? Um, I, I think one of the real challenges I've seen, and I've uh, it, I've done I've seen this through people that we know that are just entering the workplace. My son, for example, is just entering the workplace after graduating last summer. We know others that are just doing the same. Um, and also organizations that, that have taken employees on. I think going to hybrid working has been great where there was a good team dynamic uh, or where it, where it fostered a really positive team dynamic. I think for some people, perhaps for many, not being in the same place as someone makes their relationship with the organization much more transactional than it used to be. Um, transactional rather than collaborative and a sense of being together and learning and overhearing conversations and saying oh could I you know I that's really interesting could you tell me a bit about that the you know the, the classic water cooler conversations um and actually uh there's someone that we know whose organization has gone from hybrid working to fully remote working and if that had been the case when they applied for the role well they wouldn't have applied so I think there is I think the pendulum will swing back is my of gut feel based on conversations I'm having with people because people miss that personal contact you cannot replicate it over a video conferencing type arrangement um so I think that will begin to happen more um but I think also it's exacerbated by the fact that we are almost at a full employment situation at the moment and therefore recruiting people becomes very difficult being Alison may have some thoughts on that as well but in order to get people, you need to be able to offer the kind of T's and C's that they will want to have that will be very, very flexible around their lives. And so I think for some employers, they are offering perhaps more flexible arrangements than ideally they would like because they're looking to get really good people. But I think over time, we will see a drift more to um, office-based work as a hybrid, perhaps two or three days rather than maybe one day um as some employers are doing at the moment but that that's my those are my thoughts really on it from uh, from what i've seen and heard from others uh, re really interesting views for, from the three of you um just just bringing the conversation on because uh, we're really keen to to get as much insight and as many different topics covered uh throughout the throughout the show as it is as possible um and i'm gonna come back to, to yourself mark and, and really talk about um maybe maybe a little bit of a negative question really um in terms of what what can you do if a team is underperforming um and that as as mike um right, rightly touched on that there has been a lot of change in the last three years um certainly more change than any of our lifetimes within a three-year period and um, so so that i see a lot of teams that are potentially were high performing and now due to the pandemic and the hybrid working and the home working or the cost of living crisis there, there's challenges there so what what are kind of i guess the the steps that you can take if you if you feel that actually the team you're managing or the team that you're leading is a start to underperforming or or your team is starting to become unhappy or your team are starting to um go and look for other jobs and retention starting to become a challenge what what would be the first thing to start doing well i guess that um when my clients uh open up a conversation with me i guess the first thing they've done is recognize that there's an issue mm. and they're reaching out for some support and some help and, and i think that 
I'm not saying this just because I'm a management consultant, but I think that having somebody that can come in and work with the team so that the team leader is actually part of the conversation and not somebody who feels as though, you know, they've got to have the answer and then they're they're doing it to the team can often be really, really helpful. And the starting point that I would normally um, have is, is to do a diagnostic, and that could involve asking people to complete uh, a ratings against some questions, um, but it would certainly involve me having a conversation with each team member to to either get behind the ratings that they will have uh, uh, put out in a diagnostic, um, or really if they don't want to do you know that sort of rating to offer the framework that I started off this uh, program with uh, to explore each of those areas so that we can understand both what the strengths are but also where those opportunities to improve performance would be. And then I would bring them together. And the first thing we would do is hear the feedback from that process. And that often opens up a conversation, which is in a much more neutral space than a team leader saying, you're underperforming, you need to pull your socks up. Now, give me a list of things that we can do to raise performance, which often isn't a very helpful approach. So that's, that's kind of where where I'd be starting with this. Um, if I were just to add one other thing, it's inclusive, it's confidential. And what my role is in this is to try and create some safe space for people to tell me how things really are rather than give me the gloss. You know, I'm not here to hear a PR campaign. So that's my job in this, is to help them have the right conversations. Like that. Like that. Well, Mike, it's your turn to choose a song for our listeners today. So what would be your song choice and why are you choosing your song? Well, Alison and I are clearly from um, the same <laughs> same interest in music. I have also chosen a U2 song. Um, and this one is also a great reminder of my time at university. It's been a favourite song of mine for many years. It's called Where the Streets Have No Name. And the reason I've chosen it, apart from the fact that I love it and I remember seeing the video of them playing on top of a building, I think it was somewhere in the States and causing mayhem on the streets below, um, is it actually relates very much to the work that, that I do um, about, you know, someone, if you listen to the lyrics, someone is wanting to run, they're hiding, they want to get out from the constraints that are holding them inside. Um, and they want to feel sunlight on their face and dust clouds to move. And I think as a coach, what I love doing is helping people find a, a place that they haven't got a name for yet, but which where they're able to do the things that they can do, but don't have the confidence and skills to do. So that's that's my song choice. And um, it I've never thought of it in those terms until I was thinking about this show. But yeah, absolutely. It plays very much into the work that I do as well. The Business Brunch Podcast from Get Radio. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Get Radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Um, hopefully you've been engaged with the conversation that I have been today because we've been receiving some great content from Mark, Mike and Alison around the subject of teams. And we've explored all sorts of things from leadership to the team content themselves. And 
just before that song chose, chosen by Mike, and hopefully, Mike, that did bring those memories back of uh, that American experience that you, you talked about. Um, but we were talking about underperformance, and that always links in quite nicely, I think, to the, the difficult thing in any team, whether you're the leader or a member of the team, is difficult conversations. And Mark talks about his four um, four things that earlier, and two of them was team processes and behaviours. So, so how do difficult conversations fit into the whole piece around teams? Is it behaviours, processes, leadership? Give us your thoughts. It, it can be it can be both in, in many ways, but I'm going to start in the behaviours area, really, because um, j- just, you know, you could say tardiness, not being prepared for a meeting, not showing up on time. You know, you could say that's in a process in terms of, you know, when we meet you know, are they productive meetings and so on? But a lot of it's about behaviours. And um, in, in Alison talked about having values in, in the organisation and being a values-led business. So where you've got values in your organisation, you would expect teams to, to think about, well, what does that mean for us? How do we demonstrate those values through the work that we do? So I think that, first of all, setting out, you know what good behavior looks like is 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 something a team can work on um you know what does it mean for us to show up well as a team and often a team contract or a team charter sometimes it's called can be developed which is an expression really of of how we want to do business together so that gives you then a frame really to talk about shortfalls um, you know, whether it's, you know, behavioural framework you have in the organisation or a team charter that you will have agreed with one another or how you bring the values to life. So there, there's an art, a sort of a benchmark, a, a, a yardstick against which you can start to, to measure yourself against. And I think that that makes, it doesn't make the difficult conversations less difficult, but it gives you some substance there to talk about rather than something which is, could be seen as, you know, it's just my personal opinion or, it, it, you know, I've had a bad morning and I'm just going to take it out on you. It's something very tangible, something very concrete that you can uh, work with as a team to make sure that you you show up against these things day in, day out. So that's kind of my starting point. I'm sure Mike and Alison can, will build on that. Yeah, I, I think um, from my perspective, I, 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 th- I think that, you know, it's, I'm, I was never one that enjoyed difficult conversations with people. Um, some people seem to thrive on them and look forward to them, I think, but a, a lot of many people won't. And I think one of the key things is being able to have those conversations as early as is appropriate to have. Um, and coming back to one of the things I said earlier around trust in the team, it's around having the kind of working relationship and trust with your team members um, that that you're able to have an open conversation around where things are, are not happening right or where people are not showing up in the way that they should. And, and that opens up the possibility to understand why that's happening. You know, there are, there are many reasons why people underperform. Um, some of them are related to their, to the workplace, maybe people they're working with, the work they're being given. But there could be all sorts of other reasons where they're dealing with difficult situations in their personal lives um, and it's impacting their ability to perform. So having those conversations, you know, not coming down hard, but seek, seek as Alison said, I think earlier, seek first to understand rather uh, than be understood. Um, 
I think is really, really important. Once you've understood some of those factors, then where that you might need to make adjustments, um, you can do that. But also it, it's important. I think people find it helpful to know where the boundaries are um, in terms of their performance. And some people just slip a little bit um, and they just need to be gently brought um, brought back, um, brought back in. But it's not because they're being intentionally underperforming. It's just there are other factors. There are some cases, though, and I have had them where you have had to deal very significant, you know, with with underperformance and put people through the appropriate uh, HR processes. But um, leadership and that team context are really important in having those the conversations. Really good point there, Mike. I think Graham Hutchins in a, in a previous show, probably about a hundred shows again now, always resonated. He said nobody wants to do a bad job, which is uh, yeah, really re- really fitting here. Alison, we we have um almost about a minute left of the show. Um, so do you have anything to add on that on on that topic just just before the end? I think it's the thing that managers worry about the most: having difficult conversations. So, um, I think the important things are to be prepared. Um, to listen, to tackle difficult topics early on, as Mike has encouraged, um, and to, to come at it from a solution perspective. It's, it's a conversation. It's not a telling off. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and what a way to end the show. Um, I'm really, actually really, really disappointed um, that we run out of time. Um, but thank you so much um, to our three guests for joining us on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio today. Um, if you are just tuning in, please, please, please do go and listen back. There's been some great insight that's been shared. Um, we've had Mark Withers of Mighty Waters. We've had Mike Thorne of Thorne Coaching. And we've had Alison Grace of Sopra Styria. Um, so thank you so much um, to the three of you for sharing such insight on what's a really really important topic for those those of you listening at home so thank you you've been listening to the business brunch with ben and mike here on get radio next week we're going to be talking about sustainable logistics and our guests will be anthony tattersall of darsica logistics who were the business of the year the recent austria business awards Melanie Tattersall, who's the Director of Sustainability and Communications at Darcy Logistics, and also Rachel Hicks of Skywave Gin. And finally, just that reminder that you can tune in and listen to us on the radio, DAB Radio, each Sunday at 11 o'clock. Our podcast comes out on a Monday via all your favourite podcast platforms, and the video format comes out on the Get Radio Facebook page and their website every Tuesday. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next week.